This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Tonight, gonna read myself a real good bat book. I know I lie, hi, hi, kid. The podcast, I heard about it on there. Always on books that work for me. It's bad books for beginners. Bad books for beginners. And subscribe, download and subscribe. I love Batman fighting Gotham crime. He's a hero defeating forces of devilry. And the Batmobile racing down the street with his tailpipe on fire. Batman, go, go, go till the city's free. Bat signal in the sky, yeah. Minus hundred degrees as he fighting Mr. Freeze tonight. Or maybe that guy with the kites is gonna feel an Arkham prison cell up with you. Books for beginners. A Chris and Jerry good time from Hush to Nightfall. Bad books for beginners. Download, have a good time. Download them all. Bad books for beginners. Download and subscribe. Bad books for beginners. Subscribe. You might as well download them all. And welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 195. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Nightwing, The Great Leap. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. <laughs> little Queen throwing in this day. Ooh, yes. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> I love Queen. <laughs> I do too. Well done, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Bat fans. Thank you very much for downloading and spending a part of your day with us today. Nightwing, The Great Leap is a 192-page full-color trade paperback that was published in August 2009 and had a cover price of $19.99 and only appears to have gone through only one printing. This trade paperback reprints Nightwing issue numbers 
147 through 153, but for the interest of our show, Jerry and I will only cover the four-issue story from issue numbers 147 through 150. The latter issues were tie-ins to other stories, which concluded this run of the title. The issues we are covering were originally cover dated October 2008 through January 2009, and those issues had a cover price of $2.99. If you are interested in obtaining a hard copy version of this story and the unrelated tie-ins to the other comic books, hunting down the individual issues may be the cheaper route to go. I suspect there was a very low print run on this trade paperback, as online vendors have this going in the 65 to $145 range hmm. through <laughs> through the vendors I saw online, but one vendor on eBay has one copy for a little over $14 as I was preparing my notes. I wasn't able to confirm if this was available on Comixology, but this does not appear to be. For our creative teams, as per usual, I'll go off my memory and some online resources. Uh, Peter Tomasi was the writer. Per Wikipedia, Peter Tomasi became a fan of comics at a young age through the Batman comic books his father bought him, and through TV shows such as The Super Friends and the Adam West Batman series. Batman was the first superhero who entered his consciousness, as it was the first character he dressed up for for Halloween. <laughs> and the first comic book whose creators he recognized. Specifically, he cites the work of uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams as the first to draw him into the character, as well as Bob Haney's work on The Brave and Bold and that of Jim Aparo. He started as an editor in DC Comics Bay back in 1993 and worked on such titles as Green Lantern, the Batman titles, Aquaman, Hawkman, and JSA. Tomasi was an occasional writer on various titles, including JSA and The Outsiders. DC promoted him to senior editor in 2003. Uh, in 2007, Tomasi left his 14-year-old, 14-year role as an editor and transitioned into writing. He worked on Green Lantern Corps and Nightwing. Those were probably where I first noticed his work. He also worked on Superman. I saw that he did the screenplay for the animated Death of Superman animated movie. And he's worked on Detective Comics and the current adventures of the Super Sons limited series. Oh, mm-hmm. Peter is... Tomasi is also the author of the creator-owned books, and this book was called The Bridge, How the Roeblings Connected Brooklyn to New York, which I saw a piece on, and it really looked interesting. And he did that with artist Sarah Duvall. Yeah. Now, for the art, we had Don Kramer. Uh, He penciled the first, third, and fourth issues of this. Kramer's 48. He was born in Seoul, South Korea. Past credits include JSA, Detective Comics, and Wonder Woman. And we had Rags Morales, who did the penciling for the second part of this story on that second Mm -hmm. issue. I first encountered Rags Morales' work in the early 90s when he was working on DC Comics titled Black Condor, and I was really Mm -hmm. impressed with his artwork. Uh, Rags Morales was born Ralph Morales. He attended the Joe Kubert School of Art. His first professional work was on the Forgotten Realms title in the TSR line of DC Books. He also has worked on Identity Crisis, which Jerry and I discussed on a previous episode. He's also worked on the Valiant Comics title Turok, Archer and Armstrong, and Geomancer. And past credits include Our Man, JSA, and Hawkman. He also did the cover art for the particular series that we're covering today. Now, over on Amazon.com, this has a high rating of 4.6 stars out of 5. Yes. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.95 stars out of 5, based on 261 ratings and 13 reviews. But the question remains, dear listener, what will Jerry and I think of this book? And with that, who's going to give us the excellent story synopsis? I shall turn it right back over to you, Jerry. Oh, thanks, Chris. 
We're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spalai, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I've been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Welcome back. So here is the story of Nightwing, The Great Leap. Harvey Dent shines a bat signal into the sky to attract Nightwing. Not Batman? Nope, not Batman. It's Nightwing. Nightwing. I know. Harvey asked Nightwing to protect Carol Binghamton, one of Harvey's past loves. He was married at the time he met her, and she left town because their love could never work. Now she's a government witness in a case against a big crime boss. Harvey's contacts say that she is in danger of being killed. Previously, Batman had asked Harvey to be a protector of Gotham while Batman was away. Harvey acquitted himself well and has upped his skills since. Also, Harvey has kidnapped some people and will kill them unless Nightwing agrees to help. He does. And he also saves the kidnapped people. He's a good guy, that Nightwing. Carol Binghamton is being escorted from her hotel to the courthouse by men who say they are the FBI. Nightwing crashes through the windshield, fights the guys, and gets her out. Turns out they were fake FBI. Carol makes it through the courthouse window Nightwing style in time to testify. More cops are escorting Carol from the courthouse via helicopter when they are fired upon by other helicopters. Nightwing is nearby on his powered glider and goes to save the day. He's able to get her away from the attack, but he's shot and bleeding on a nearby rooftop. Bad guys have found them and shots are falling all around the rooftop. He gets on the back glider and Carol holds on to him. The bullet in his shoulder hurts, but he's able to get Carol to one of Bruce's rooftop hideouts. Nightwing heads back to the Batcave so Alfred can stitch him up. Nightwing returns to Carol, who's using her phone. Nightwing says not to answer it again because she can be tracked that way. The phone rings again. It's Harvey. He's checking up to make sure she's okay. Nightwing leaves. Later that night, there's a security breach at the safe house. As he makes his way over there, Alfred calls and says that the bullets that hit him had some scarecrow toxin on them. Nevertheless, Nightwing goes to the safe house. He finds a crew of baddies there. Killer Croc, Penguin, Scarecrow, Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze, Two-Face, and Joker. 
Even struggling through the psychedelic horror toxin, Nightwing is able to defeat all the baddies. At the end of the struggle, he finds Two-Face with Carol. And Two-Face shoots and kills her. Turns out, Harvey Dent knew that his ex-love Carol was going to be killed because Two-Face got the contract to kill her. Harvey was trying to protect her, but now that Nightwing has failed, the two Harveys both hate him. Dick hates himself too, if anyone's keeping score. Harvey goes to Carol's gravesite, has an aggressive nervous breakdown, and melts the headstone with some kind of liquid material. Nightwing finds something Harvey left behind and does some chemical analysis. Dick has to go to dinner with Deb, and after their meal, they are accosted by coins falling from the sky onto the street from a very high distance. Notes blaming Nightwing for Carol's death fall also. Dick sees a bank bag that the money presumably came in and heads to that bank. He finds the workers in a safe and lets them loose. Turns out Two-Face has gotten his hands on some nasty acid and wants to spray it on New York City. In his tower at the cloisters, Dick sees a series of blimps float past. He realizes that Harvey is going to spray acid on the city and heads out on his glider to fight them. Police helicopters surround the blimps, and Harvey sprays acid on the city to make them pull away. They do. Nightwing works his way up the parade of floats to get to the front float. He beats up Harvey and steers the blimp, which is followed by all the other blimps, into the bay water. Dick gets Harvey to land and pays his respects to the Statue of Liberty. The End. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages, and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, 
Make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pick on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary... Pat and I, over at Longbox Crusade Podcast, would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back. Okay, Chris, what would you think about this one? Jerry, I went into this a little bit blind. I had no recollection of the story in these issues, and I didn't look at any plot synopsis prior to reading it. Now, if you had told me the plot, I didn't think I would have been interested in it at face value. I think this is a premise that has been kind of done and recycled before. A hero has to protect a person, and isn't it usually a woman, so they can do their duty in court at a trial. And the Clint Eastwood movie, The Gauntlet, immediately comes to my mind. Oh, right. But this was initially executed in a much more compelling way than I would have thought it would have been. What I do like is that Tomasi has an excellent handle on the core of these bad characters and the villains. But I have to confess, once that Carol was killed, I immediately got unplugged and detached from the story. I Mm -hmm. no longer felt connected, and I thought, well, this is just going to be Nightwing catching and capturing Two-Face, and where else can this possibly go? And I couldn't help but think, here we go again with more of this women in refrigerators. And for those who aren't Mm -hmm. familiar with the term, this is an example of a comic book trope where the female character is either injured, raped, killed, or depowered. you know, which is also known as fridging, and the, the, this is used mm-hmm. as a plot point device. Yeah, where it's where it's used for um, the, the progress of the male character and the female character is then just thrown away. It's like, ah, eh, whoever cared about her anyway. Thank you. Yes, exactly. And I, I, I just really could not. I couldn't believe I got I, one. I as a longtime comic book reader, I suppose I should have seen this coming, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I really got invested with her as a character you really got the struggle of them trying to escape these numerous attempts on her life and and just seeing the struggle and the bond they're having there and to have it more or less not work and seeing dick knack succeed i I was really taken aback by that jerry there are a few things i did like that we'll get into as we pick apart the story a little bit more but those were my initial thoughts what were yours Mm -hmm. Well, I thought that this was a, a pretty good use of Two-Face. So I've never been a, a really big Two-Face lover, you know, like think he's a great character or anything. But I think in this case, they used him to good effect. Um, you know, he, he's improved as a character since, you know, in the couple of issues before here, um, since Bruce left him to protect Gotham. And he did. He did a good job. Um, and now in this case, Harvey hires Dick to protect Carol and, and, what Harvey's doing is he's protecting him from Two-Face, which is himself, right? And as the story goes on, you kind of wonder, what's Harvey up to? He wants to protect her, but then he ends up killing her. And you're like, oh, well, your first you know, feeling is, oh, this is just a dumb comic book thing. And, you know, nobody's, nobody's, you know, rationales or, or logic makes any sense anyway. But no, in this case, once you understand what's going on, that 
it, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. And, um, you know, I thought that the Two-Face um, aspect of the story worked better than usual. Did you, did you find that in any way, Chris? I did. And you bring up a good point because this was an excellent characterization of the Harvey Dent character. And villain Two-Face mm-hmm. has always been one of my favorites of uh, the Batman rogues gallery. And I thought there was some compelling, interesting musings here with the way the psychological mm-hmm. aspect of the character was handled. I will have to grant you that. And I thought that there was also pretty good Alfred and um, Dick here too, because, you know, they had, they had a couple of, you know, places where, where Alfred had to kind of fix up the bolt, you know, Dick with the bullets were, you know, in his shoulder. And, you know, there were a lot of gags about, you know, Alfred learning surgery from the Discovery Channel and things like that. And I, I always like their relationship and how, you know, they interact with each other. Jerry, that was the second thing I had in my notes that I had on my end, because uh, this was the uh, chapter that Rags Morales did. And uh-huh. Morales looked a little bit like Paul Galassi to me here for some reason. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you alluded to this. This, for me, was a great sequence that Morales did after Alfred operates on Dick in the Batcave. Now, mm-hmm. after Dick passes out and Alfred removes all that shrapnel blood, there is just this touching, amazing 10-panel sequence with no mm-hmm. words at all where mm-hmm. Alfred removes his bloody surgical gloves, and one of the gloves glances on one of the cases of a Robin costume. And then he washes up, and then he goes back to a sleeping Dick Grayson, and he holds his hand until Alfred himself falls asleep. I thought that was just a masterful and powerful sequence in the story. Sure was. That was very that was excellent stuff. And you mentioned the art. I thought, you know, that the, the Morales stuff, you know, that looked like, you know, I've seen, we've seen Rags Morales' work before. I was noticing that the Kramer work, um, it almost looked like an EC Comics um, art in some places, which I really love very much. And it's kind of a shout back to old fashioned comic books. Yeah, Jerry, I think you're, I think, again, that's a great, great call there, because especially with the uh, third chapter, and I well, you mentioned EC Comics, but we had this, <laughs> this this violent fight, you know, where where Dick is sort of like in a nightmare, where he's battling all these yes. seven rogues, and it's just against this bloody backdrop of everything, and there's there's it's it's almost playing out like a nightmare. So I mm-hmm. I think it was for me, I, I, I did not think of EC, but there was something in my brain thinking, yeah, yeah, this this is this is onto something here, and a great great yeah. great call and shout out with. Uh, you see there, great observation. Thank you. So did you think that the uh, those rogues were actually there, or was that just the scarecrow toxin, um, you know, making him think they were there? That's a great question. I, I took it at face value as, as they were yeah. depicted uh, in the scenes and on the cover. That said, it, it made it... I, I, I had some implausibility issues there with, with mm-hmm. why why would you get all, all of these seven here for, for this one cause... And all of them being available, it was yeah. it's a fun sequence, though nonetheless, to see uh, the stakes raised. And if if they weren't there, Dick sure thought they were there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it made for some evocative storytelling. And it was it was sort of a nice treat to see Kramer draw all the villains here because uh, I thought they were all depicted really, really well done. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. But it's just that kind of how did scare um how did two face and why did two face got get them all together for this you know what's kind of a minor thing it just it seemed like that's why it, it occurred to me that maybe they weren't even there because it was a little implausible that they would be all of them so the art i did like the art um kind of universally in this um the one thing Thing that was kind of interesting in the art and it kind of tied in with the text is how Dick is shown and 
he's he's definitely has a harder edge than we're used to seeing him. He's less boyish and charming, more like Bruce is. And his face is kind of a little fatter and rounder than we're used to seeing those, you know, super handsome good looks. And I don't think he was that kind of character here. Jerry, I agree with you. That's another thing I had in my notes. We seem to be a lot of... Uh on the same page with a lot of thoughts here. Another thing I had in my notes that this, like you said, this was an edgier dick. Even, even to the fact that, uh, as he's grabbing two face along a brick wall, Mm. he's spouting dialogue that I would expect Batman to say. And there's Mm -hmm. a sequence, I think it was in the fourth and final chapter where we see Dick's bare back and my God, he's got as many scars as Batman for goodness sake. And he's got these broad muscles. And I, I really thought, wait a minute. Now I know, Dick's had a career enough of, of himself, but this was just a little too Batman-ish, <laughs> if yeah, that's such yeah. a word or a thing. <laughs> and I, I really don't know if I, I, I like what was coming out of his mouth, but I, I didn't mm-hmm. see him as edgy. This was almost almost a clone of Bruce and Batman in a sense, yeah. that that, yeah. that he wasn't his own person. Yeah, I felt the same way. The the other thing, being a New York City person, is I love the geography in this. Um, you know, Dick is in the Cloisters, which is uptown in New York. And there's the one scene where you see the blimps coming down. And across the river, across the Hudson, you can see the Palisades, which are in New Jersey. And there they are. And uh, the blimps are going south to where most people would consider New York City, you know, going to Midtown. And all the GI, everything is going in the right directions. And, you know, the the Palisades are there. And, you know, it was just kind of fun as a New Yorker seeing that done so well. And that blimp ending was, was, I liked the ending. Yeah, you know, well, Jerry, you, you mentioned implausibility before. I thought the blimp thing was a little implausible in myself. Like, how how do, how how do you get that many blimps? And I I don't know how that works, you know. And if it it looked really cool, but you know, I I had more of a problem with implausibility with all those blimps versus all those mm. villains for some reason. I, you know, it, it, go figure. But you again, you mentioned Tomasi and his references, and uh, mm-hmm. I think the prior. Uh, Nightwing trade that we looked at uh, with with him and the uh, Central Park and all these uh, vantage points. Oh, yeah. One thing, Tomasi, Free you have fall. to give him credit for. He really does nail the geography, and it, mm-hmm. you know, and it surprisingly now we we know why. You know, he he wrote that book, uh, The Bridge, with mm-hmm. the Roblings and, and Brooklyn, and and he he has a really excellent sense of detail, and he gets things right. Yeah, to his credit. Definitely. Yeah, based on you know what we've seen and what we talked about, what kind of rating would you would you make this? I and mean, is it a must read or a recommend for people? Jerry, I, I I tried to really be fair, and I didn't want to come off like you know uh, we we had a character here that was killed off. Now, would it made any difference if the character was male? Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. of the you know. Uh, with, with, with Dick's sexual nature, or rather Harvey's sexual nature and his proclivities, uh, I, I just could not get around the fact of Carol's death. And mm. I, I don't know if if she resurfaces in some comic book uh, lore or magic where she comes back later, but mm-hmm. I, I just really was taken out with, with that. And with what was a compelling story with, with sort of a so-so, been there, done that premise, I thought mm-hmm. was really... I was really vested in this. I was really invested in this. And when, when the character dies and I'm thinking, what, how senseless was it? And why, why did I get mm. so wrapped up in this? I, it's somebody like somebody popped a balloon out of me. And, you mm. know, whereas some of the elements were really well crafted here, 
I was riding along with a four out of five, four out of five, but once the Carol death happened, uh-huh. oh, balloon pop, um, 2.53 now, and mm-hmm. I think that's sort of where I'm at. I'm, I'm, you know, there were a lot of elements that were really constructed here. There were some touching moments, especially with Dick and Alfred, uh, yeah. But I, I'm going to eventually, when the dust clears, I'm landing at a three out of five. Mm. I, it, sir, this was this was an above average story, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I I can't I can't uh, shy away from the feelings that I had with the Carol character and how that was done. I, I just thought the uh, violence was a little over the top in some places, especially mm-hmm. with the, some fight sequences. Mm-hmm. I'm a grown up, but uh, I, I thought there was just uh, some things that were a little unnecessary for, for me. Mm-hmm. And would I say this was a must read? If if you're a hardcore uh, Dick Nightwing fan, I, I would say absolutely. But uh, f- as far as uh, Batman family books go, no. And uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I that said, if you were trying to find this, like I said, go out and get the individual issues. The trade is going to be much, much difficult to find. Uh, perhaps a library might have it, but uh, I was really outsta- surprised at some of these uh, prices for the trade online, which mm. was just seemed insane to me for, yeah. for what was just sort of like a above-average story. There was nothing here that would really warrant this in the annals of a bad history event that... that, that, mm-hmm. that uh, has a, that shouts you know you you must read me as opposed to the other annals of uh, bad books out there what were your thinking sure. and thoughts and impressions well you know it's funny because typically i would be taken out by one of these you know refrigerator um stories but for some reason and i think it's because i don't know if carol was introduced as a you know i don't think we've ever seen her before we've never heard of her before she was kind of a throwaway character from the beginning and it's unfortunate it could very easily have been a male character um and i don't know why they didn't do that um but they didn't um but for some reason there i didn't get an impact um like i normally would of a character that's being wasted a female character that's being wasted for some reason um I think it was I was engaged in the art and Nightwing story. So I didn't and I thought she was being a little silly anyway. I don't think she was a great, a really well done character. Um, She was, you know, like if people are tracking you, do not answer your phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Um, But um, so that didn't bother me in this case for whatever reason. So I would say that, yeah, this is an above average story, especially when I first started reading it, I thought, oh, this is going to be ridiculous. This is not going to make any sense. And I was very pleasantly surprised at the end when it did make sense. And, um, you know, I think that it's an interesting look at uh, Dick Grayson as he's definitely evolving into a, a tougher character during this period, you know, thinking that he has to maybe re- be the Batman because Batman can't right now. Um, so I I did like it, um, I think, um, a lot more. And I would give it, I would be up in the four range with this. Um, and maybe if I read it again, I would be more upset at the uh, fridging of Carol. But when I first read it, I didn't. I don't think this is a must read. I don't think anything really important develops here. Like you said, if you're a big, um, you know, Dick Grayson or Nightwing fan, this could be something that you'd want to read. Um, but I would recommend this as a Bat Family story, particularly with the um, relationship between Alfred and Dick. I thought that that was interesting and, um, you know, just illustrates their relationship and how, how much 
Alfred cares about, you know, his the people under his protection, as I'm sure he thinks of it. Absolutely. So um, there we are in this story. So there are other things that you can find Chris and I um, are up to out in the great wide world. Uh, Chris, you're, you're doing some work on um, Batgirl to Oracle, aren't you? Thank you very much, Jerry. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Batgirl to Oracle where I do a segment on there. I'm reviewing Archie Meets Batman 66. I also mm-hmm. look at the Batman Adventures title, which was based on the animated series from the 90s. And I also look at uh, the Nightwing title from a shipper perspective on a segment within a segment that I call Nightwatch. Mm-hmm. And you can also find me on Twitter at BTO and Batbooks, where I share thoughts and opinions and a lot of nostalgic stuff. Now, Jerry, can people find any reviews by you anywhere, perhaps by chance on the BatmanUniverse.net? <laughs> It's absolutely possible. If you go out to the BatmanUniverse.net, you can find my written reviews on Batgirl and Catwoman. I also tweet out my weekly comics and uh, talk about indie comics a lot. Um, I tweet about Dark Shadows and different horror movies, and Chris and I both live tweet horror movies on the hashtag Svengoolie on Saturday night um, at 8 Eastern Time. So uh, you can see Chris and I on Twitter. Chris is at BTO and Batbooks, and I am at Professor Frenzy. And don't forget to check Chris and I out on the Professor Frenzy Show. At this time that the episode is aired, we will have released, uh, I think, 30 episodes of the Professor Frenzy Show now. And that's a podcast Chris and I do on indie comics and other pop culture topics. And we've been having a great time doing the show. You can check it out um, if you do a search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy Show. Now, also, Jerry, we got some comments from our last show, and that was the episode where we recapped and re-reviewed the Robin trade paperback, Robin Search for a Hero. Now, over on Twitter, we heard from our good friend Ian Miller, who's on Twitter at IBM Miller, and he chimed in with the following, Excellent episode! I'm with you both. I think there's real structural and characterization problems with this arc. When I reread it last year, there was a real sense that the plotting was incredibly disjointed. Fabian Nicienza's characterization, characterization of Tim tends strongly towards darkness and, quote, ends justify the means, which I think is profoundly wrong for the idealistic, sweet-natured Robin. His stuff is a colossal screw-up, and I'm incredibly grateful that DC went with Brian Q. Miller's take. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, I also wanted to remind Ian that I had forgot to amend my score to 2.5 before the show ended, <laughs> but I did not do that, and I reminded him of that, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm changing my score to 2.5 from a 3, and then mm-hmm. Ian replied back, hey, I don't mind that rating at all. I thought you and Jerry did a fantastic <laughs> job of showing the uh-huh. strengths and weaknesses. It's all about your conversation, not the numbers. Smiley face emoji. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. We also heard from our good friend Rob Myers at Drummer Rob 10, and he said this was one of his, one of his favorite Robin stories. Huh. Well, very good. That's that's yeah. excellent. So we really can't thank you enough for comments. And if you could, by all means, let us know on Twitter what you think about uh, our opinions yeah. and your thoughts of the material that we cover. We, we can't thank you enough for chiming in. You can also uh, leave your comments and impressions over on the Batman Universe website mm-hmm. where you, you want to leave a post with respect to the uh, episode in question that we just dropped. So thank you very much for chiming in. Yes. We also had likes and retweets with respect mm-hmm. to our last episode, and we heard from the following. Spookette at Spookette. Gal walks mm-hmm. into a comic shop at Gal Walks. Hey, uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Now, Gal Walks into a Comic Shop is an excellent podcast where Bob comes in, and he knows tons of information about comics, but mm-hmm. Barbara is sort of a comics newbie, but she's 
you know, getting a little more as the weeks go by, she's getting really more acclimated with the comic scene. And it's yeah. a fun episode. Sometimes there's quizzes. Sometimes uh, Barb breaks out into song. Sometimes there's some impressions. Sometimes uh, there's some <laughs> dramatic reenactments, if you will. And, <laughs> and there's quizzes. So what more could you possibly ask for? Yeah. We really, really dig that show. Yeah, for sure. And one half of the show also tweets in Bob uh, Roland at Nick City Brewing. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We heard from Lava Hog at Lava Hog. Oh, That's our Dave. good friend Dave. And I got to give a shout out to Dave because Dave is so fast. When you send him a comment or you, you tweet something out there, not only is he fast on Twitter, but he is fast on providing like a, a, a gif of something that just <laughs> nails and crystallizes that point home. I don't know how he does it and how fast that guy is, but thank you so much, Dave. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you can find Dave at the Selling Out Show at Selling Out. Just great, great stuff there. We heard from uh, Scott X at the Mind of Scott X. Oh, yeah. uh, Green Lantern HG. Ooh. Green Lantern HG, longtime friend of our show, and we can't thank you enough for your support. Yes, thank Oliver you. Bourne at Bourne Scribe. Marshland mm-hmm. Media at Marshland Media. Hmm. Robin Stevens at Robin031 Robin. Fred oh, nice. Reads Comics at Comics Fred. Hey, hey thank Fred. you so much. And we heard from the Bat Pod at the oh. Pod Bat. We also heard from Randy the Comics Nerd at Randall mm-hmm. Andrews 1. Our good friends over at Rad Adventures at Rad underscore Adventures. Uh-huh. Rad's a network of podcasts from Ruth and Darren focused on adventure stories, including Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles, among others. And Great we heard stuff. from the Phantom Zone podcast. That's Phantom mm. with the letter F at Phantom Zone Pod. That's a new podcast with Kayla, Jared, and Noah. And my apologies if I overlooked you. If we did, my deepest regrets. And please let me know on Twitter or Jerry know on Professor Frenzy or myself know on Twitter at BTO and Bad Books, and we will be sure to mention you on our next episode. Thanks, everyone. Well, that's all Chris and I have for today. Please join us next time when Chris and I will cover another great Bat Book. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Tonight, gonna read myself a real good Bat Book. I know I lie, I, I get the podcast. I heard about it on there. Always on books that work for me. It's bad books for beginners. Bad books for beginners and subscribe download and subscribe i love batman fighting gotham crime he's a hero defeating forces of devilry and the batmobile racing down the street with his tailpipe on fire batman go 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 till the city's free bat signaling the sky yeah minus hundred degrees as he fighting mr freeze tonight or maybe that guy with the kites he's gonna feel an arkham prison sell up with you Books for beginners. A Chris and Jerry good time. From hush to nightfall. Bad books for beginners. Download, have a good time. Download them all. Bad books for beginners. Download and subscribe. Bad books for beginners. Subscribe. You might as well download them all.
tonight Gonna listen to Bad Books for Beginners <laughs> <laughs> 